Alright guys, welcome to the Union Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Campbell. As always, co-hosting with me, GM Todd Hammer. Today on the phone we have a special guest. His name is Paul O'Need. He is the owner of Master Athletic Performance, and if you wanted to visit the website, it's masterathletic.com. He is the co-founder of One Life Inc., and the website for that is one, the number one, hyphen lifeinc.com, and he is also the co-founder of the MetroLife app, and we'll go over that more towards the end of the podcast for you guys, but I definitely want Paul to say hi. Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on the podcast today. We're pretty excited to talk to you, so... Uh, basically, what we want to start out with is just square one. How did you start out? We uh, we both know, me and Todd at least, know that you um, had a good career in powerlifting. You hit some pretty good numbers. So take us through kind of like that square one phase of how you got into it. And, you know, we'll just kind of go from there and how, how it led into your coaching career and all of that. Yeah, sure. So I actually got into powerlifting after I got into coaching. So uh, in undergrad, uh, I went to the University of Ottawa up here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And uh, when I graduated, I was like, I want to be a strength coach, so I'm going to go learn from the best strength coach, in, who, who I thought was the best strength coach in the country. Um, and the gentleman who won that award uh, that year was Ron McKeefrey, who's now uh, with Play Sports and doing some great things with continuing education. Um, and while I, I, I saved up, moved down there for three months and started interning, and while I was there, um, I was a bit, and Todd can attest to this, I was a bit of a, a, bit of a know-it-all, kind of a douchebag, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I thought you were just Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was a bit hard-headed, and uh, one day we were having a really frank conversation, and he said to me, he goes, why should anyone care what you have to say? And that was his nice way of saying that I didn't, because I didn't play any collegiate sports uh, in the U.S. at least. Um, I didn't compete in anything. He's like, where's your credibility? And uh, he suggested that I find something to compete in. And I was like, well, I'm pretty strong. I guess I should compete in powerlifting. Um, so I did that. And as soon as I started training for that meet and, and the athletes found out I was, I was going to compete, the way that they communicated with me almost completely changed overnight. They saw how hard I was working and that I committed myself to a goal just as I expected them to. And then as soon as I did my first meet, I was kind of hooked on it. Um, right after that, I actually uh, I reached out to Todd and ended up coming up to Robert Morris and working as a GA under him. And uh, as you know, Todd likes to compete really often. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did you find Todd? Uh, honestly, I think it was through Elite FTS. Okay. Um, I uh, you know had read his articles. Um, at that point, I was applying for every job under the sun because there had been a uh, there had been a coaching turnover at South Florida, and uh, my first mentor Frank Wintrick had left. Uh, Ron had left, and the new people who came in were kind of trying to clean house and get their own interns in place and they knew that I was kind of one of the leaders in, in our intern class and they didn't really like that their philosophy was different than what we had come up with in. So I, w I was like, I need to leave. Um, I ended up applying for the job with Todd. He called me and was like, yeah, can you come up for an interview? And I'm pretty sure I booked a flight that same day and ended up booking it on the wrong day. So I showed up a day early to moon. I actually forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. 
Yeah, yeah, I showed up a day early. I paid like 400 bucks to change my flight because I got to the airport and was like, oh my God, I booked the wrong flight. But it turns out I booked the right flight, just showed up at the airport on the wrong day. Um, That's so, awesome. I'll never yeah, forget because so. you called me and said, I'm here, and I was leaving work, and I'm like, why the heck is this guy here? And I was like, and I was convinced I screwed it up because I would screw that up myself. Yeah, so I mean, at least it showed I was really, really enthusiastic. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so then that became like two years of working for Todd and thinking that he hated me and him teaching me things that I didn't realize he was teaching me. Uh, hold on, and... just so you know, CJ thinks I hate him. Dude, it's it's See? every day. <laughs> it's, dude, he, so, he, he rips me apart know, every day for literally just breathing in air. The number of times you get fired is proportional <laughs> to the amount of times that he cares. <laughs> It's it's an everyday occurrence here, and he's just smiling and shaking his head and laughing because it's it's literally every single day on the hour, every hour. It's just something. So. I think the person who holds the record for the most times getting fired is Ralph, though. Uh, yes, but per minute it's Prez. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, so let's go back. So 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 you come up, you interview with me, I hire you because basically I got no one better. I think he felt bad. He's like, this guy spent so much money on this flight, I can't tell him no. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, yeah so we, uh, you know, I worked for Todd for two years. Um, finished my graduate degree uh, at Robert Morris. Got very fortunate that one of my friends from South Florida was uh, awarded the, uh, the Director of Strength and Conditioning at the University of Tampa. And when I got to Robert Morris, I, I put my degree at South Florida on hold. Um, so I, I kind of committed to myself that I would go finish that degree. Um, so I moved back to Tampa, worked at UTampa while going to USF in the evening. So I was working like 70 hours a week in the weight room because um, they had, I think, I think UTampa has 26 varsity sports. Um, and then, uh, you know, finished my degree. And then at that point, I got the head strength and conditioning job uh, in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, which is, it would be equivalent to, equivalent to like an Ivy League school in the U.S. Okay. Um, so very different uh, caliber of student athlete. I worked in that, uh, at that, at that uh, institution for a year, um, at which time... Uh, I kind of decided that it was time for a change in terms of my profession and uh, moved into the to the role I hold now as a day job. I work as a functional rehabilitation specialist for an insurance company, essentially coordinating treatment plans for people on disability and trying to get back to work. Um, I do the master athletic uh, coaching uh, online in my spare time and then uh, Metri Life and uh, One Life Inc., are my kind of my view of the future of my my career so that's kind of where we're at right now i was actually i one of my points i've written down here is the types of programs uh master athletic performance offers um mm -hmm. and i saw a couple online but again i didn't want to speak for you so could you explain some of those programs you do offer on the website sure for the most part i do uh one-on-one -on -one coaching for powerlifting and for nutrition so um I do work with athletes on an ad hoc basis 
it's much much more challenging to do online coaching for athletes especially when you're trying to implement um like energy systems work or um any type of on-field drills and things like that because those are things that really require a hands-on touch so usually if i'm working with athletes i'll primarily focus on the weight training and then they'll have a coach who they work with hands-on uh, on the field or they'll do their own um I was working with a gentleman, uh, a, a javelin thrower, training for the 2020 Olympic trials. Um, so we, he had like a full team. So I was a strength coach. He had a therapy guy, and he had his jab thrower, his jab coach. So we would all coordinate uh, back to back. So that that's kind of on an ad hoc basis. I really enjoy it, but uh, doesn't come up very often. The powerlifting stuff is all one on one. I communicate with my athletes probably four or five times a week, depending on how many times they're training. Uh, a lot of a lot of video critique, a lot of communication, and um, I'll go through off season all the way into meat prep and so on. And the nutrition is uh, is weekly check ins, unlimited communication. And, um, I'll build a program to however people need it to be built so that they can be compliant uh, and achieve their goals. So I've been doing that the better part of six years it's kind of uh it's it it is a supplementary income for me so my prices are very reasonable because i do it just simply because i love coaching yeah um it's not something i'm trying to make a living off of at this point uh although it could be soon which is kind of cool um but yeah that's where it's at yeah and when you say you're you know you're training people for Olympic trials or anything like that and I did see on your website you do have experience with NFL and like NHL guys is that correct yeah Um, Yeah, we've had a few NHL guys up here in Canada and then uh, a few of the guys uh, who were at South Florida went on to the NFL and um, consulted with them here and there Uh, also a lot of couple major league major league lacrosse uh, CFL um, minor hockey uh, you know, junior football, overseas football, uh, you name it, probably trained them. So it's it's been a really cool ride, a lot of experience along the way. Yeah. For our, for online coaching, you said it is, you know, it can get tough, um, especially for the more professional guys. How do you usually approach uh, programming for one of these professional athletes if it's online or, you know, anything like that? Um, the big thing is communication. So... I'm not with them in the weight room, uh, so making sure that they send me video of everything that they're doing, at least one set, uh, helps me a lot to know you know, where the breakdowns are, where we might need to uh, look um, to make changes to the program. I'll also send it week by week as opposed to blocks at a time, so it's a lot more intensive in terms of that. Uh, we do tend to adjust very regularly uh, the progressions that we use. Also, the communication with their sport coaches uh, needs to be on point because uh, ultimately the sport coach is the one who's going to be driving the goals. Like if, if your sport coach wants their athlete to be faster, well, you better have a program that allows them to, to accomplish that goal as best you can. Um, I'll use uh, my javelin thrower as an example. So he was dealing with a lot of, if you're familiar with the javelin, it's a very awkward patterning uh, of the throw Um, so he was dealing with a lot of uh, front leg adductor issues oblique issues and shoulder issues on that anterior sling so a lot of what we did is is just communication between his his therapist uh, 
myself and him to see, you know, is what we're doing working? Are any of the movements aggravating you? Um, if you're familiar with track and field, you know, there's a lot of special exercises that different sports like to use. So making sure those are implemented properly uh, and, um, and tapered appropriately. Also, you know, for a lot of pro guys, they already have a higher training age. They've been training for a really long time. So you have to adjust your approach based on what their experience level is. So my javelin thrower had always been doing Olympic lifting. But he sent me his Olympic lifts, and they were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> As they usually um, are. Pretty what's normal. that? It's pretty normal. Yeah, like they were they were real bad. Like we're talking like jumping a foot forward to his catch and oh, uh, on the clean or the and, and the snatch just being essentially like a a wide stance front raise with hip extension. Um, so we we had to regress him. Uh, I would video a bunch of, of demos and and you know put in a lot of work on the back end so that he knew exactly what was expected of him. Um, and that's that's where it starts. It's it's if you don't have any communication, it really doesn't matter what you write down on paper. Um, and being able to adjust on the fly, so have a big picture way of thinking what what I want to accomplish, the modalities that I'm going to use to accomplish that, and then being able to adjust the plan weekly or more frequently based on his response to it. Um, track and field, especially when you're looking at trials, you might have competitions in back-to-back weeks for maybe two weeks in a row, and then you'll have eight weeks off, and then a comp, and then four weeks, and then so so peaking them period like frequently becomes almost impossible. So you have to pick the right competitions, and that's again communication with the athlete, knowing okay, I need to be at 100% for this meet, this meet we're going to train through, this meet will be a, a bit of a, a focus, so I like to taper here. Um, this athlete actually performed best one week after his deload, so we would deload him and then ramp up his training, and then he would compete the next weekend, and he knew that you know, was the best time for him to perform, whereas typically you'd see best performance is taking place after a taper so that that weekend after you tapered his volume things like that came out through communication we also saw that as he got stronger and as he got healthier that changed so we had to change his deload strategy so that's kind of you approach it with a plan but then know that the plan means nothing and you have to change it (laughs) yeah i I think uh i think you'll appreciate this it reminds me of something shelby shelby starn said this a few years back he said, you know, you're in, you're in the weight room training and whether things are going really well or going really poorly, um, why are you sticking to the plan? It's just a piece of paper. And, yep. and it's funny, I, um, watching, you know, we have obviously, as you know, some solid lifters in here and um, seeing the different approaches they have and the different people that's helping them with their training, I've learned a lot because I've seen things that may not make sense on paper but definitely makes sense in the real world because of the fact that it's a human being. And I think we lose sight of that so often that, you know, that we're not robots and we don't, we're, I, I was just saying that CJ, today is our member appreciation. We have 250 donuts in the room. Once a year we do this. And I said, theoretically, if you eat donuts, you get fat. That's pretty much science. But then we also know that there are people out there that live on donuts and are lean as can be. Yep. You talk about NFL players, their diets are atrocious. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, oh, yeah. some of the freaks in the NFL live on McDonald's and walk around in single-digit body fat year-round eating McDonald's. And mm-hmm. we just we will never fully understand it. So I think you know your point about being a good coach is about that communication, watching that video, and making sure you're picking up those those hints. And they might not just be physiological; they might be psychological or, or emotional, even for that matter. Absolutely, and and you know that's that's where kind of we'll get into this later. But I have started to implement MetriLife into the coaching of my athletes, so I'll have them use use the app and track a, a lot of their lifestyle and training metrics. And then at the end of the week, we can look back and say, you know, how is your lifestyle affecting your training and vice versa and actually have concrete metrics to look at that. Um, But when it comes to the training piece and adjusting the plan, like I've had to do that. You know, I used to be so married to a plan and married to the paper. And, you know, especially when I began coaching at the collegiate level, it was like, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to accomplish. And nothing will get in the way of that. But then you forget that you're coaching people, you're coaching individuals, and they each have different learning strategies, they each have different work capacities, they each have different recovery capacities. And then it was further beaten into me in my own training because I've been so injured over the years that I've had to figure out, like, because I've had multiple surgeries now, I've had multiple tears, like I can't train I can't train the way that you would normally have program for a power lifter. If you could quote unquote normally program for a power lifter. Like I can't squat multiple times per week. I can't do multiple high RPE sets within a session. Um, I can't do certain movements because I know that after repeated exposure to them, I have orthopedic issues. So I basically have to had, had to learn, okay, what is the minimal effective dose of training that I can I can tolerate while still progressing my strength? Sound like Ryan. Stop being smart, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, but, but that's exactly what it is, right? It's like, okay, you know, we talk about like uh, maximal recoverable volume, and that's really good to know. The problem is, I have a really high work capacity because I maintain a high level of fitness all the time. The problem is, is we get we get it we get it, Paul. You're fit. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, but like, I'm I'm so fit that if I was to go in and push a training session to the capacity that I I physically could, um, from a muscular standpoint, my joints would be destroyed for weeks. Yeah, uh, I I just have to add that. Paul's wife is a psycho CrossFitter, and uh, I blew off his wedding because I had two former assistants get married on the exact same day, and yep. me and my wife took a map and said, who's closer? And he, he being that you live in another country, sorry, man, I wasn't there. It's all good. <laughs> we could, I slept in my own bed on that wedding night. I didn't have to drive to Canada. Yeah, the... Uh... The wife being so fit definitely has helped uh, maintain my level of fitness for sure because I don't want to be a fat slob. <laughs> well, you're but, married uh, now. You can be a fat slob all you want. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Have you ever stood beside like a super ripped chick and then like felt terrible about yourself? I call those Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know where I work, right? Yeah, exactly. I see people like, oh, I'll give me another donut. Forget I've given up. Yeah, so I, I gotta I, I gotta look good for her at least. 
you're a, a hell of a well, let, let's uh so let's get into the app because you know I, I've played with it and um for, sure. the, for the record I don't know why I woke up at 2 a.m. and couldn't get back to sleep so I'm working on like five hours sleep and I had a great training session today how one correlates the other I don't know but let's uh let's delve into the app so we developed Metri Life actually for exactly that reason it was like Okay, we're both coaches. So my, my business partner is Jay Nira. Uh, he is a world-class powerlifter, uh, former number one in the world, um, and the owner of Dynamo Barbell Club and CrossFit O-Town in Ottawa. So I was, Jay and I have been training partners and friends for years, and um, basically ever since I left Robert Morris. And um, he approached me, he's like, Paul, we're coaches. We only get an hour a day with these people. How do we make sure that the other 23 are facilitating the work that they're doing. And I'm like, well, you know, we can teach them habits and stuff. And he's like, no, no, like we need to look at this. Like what if we put an app together that allowed us to evaluate their preparedness and monitor their training accordingly? I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And um, so in the book, Periodization by Tudor Bompa, there is a table on page 147 that is essentially a questionnaire in which uh, Tudor Bompa will evaluate the readiness of his athletes according to I believe there's 14 metrics and so you fill in a, a dot each day on the graph and then over time that graph turns into a line graph and you can plot the prepared or the, the scores of each of those metrics and Jay was like man it'd be really cool if we could put that in an app and then allow people to overlay the graphs on top of each other and see trends so that's how it started it was like okay we're going to get into athlete monitoring so the app started out, uh, we, we worked with uh, a developer, um, a development company that was owned by my uncle. Um, and that took about two years of offshoring, one year of onshoring, and then one year of BS. Uh, and then finally <laughs> we, uh, they, so essentially the development was supposed to be uh, a gift uh, for me. Um, and it ended up being a $600,000 bill. And uh, so we walked away from that, and that's how we have the team that we have now. So we, we brought on a couple of developers uh, as partners, and it was the best thing we could have done. Within a year, we had MetroLife on the market, and uh, with each of these issues and barriers that came up along the way, the app evolved. So it came first it was, all right, well, we're going to evaluate preparedness. Okay, but now that we're evaluating preparedness, we can evaluate other things as well. So let's look at sleep. Let's look at, you know, the training intensity. Let's look at recovery post-training. Let's look at mental health. Let's look at cognitive function. Let's look at all of these things and see how they intertwine with one another. Um, so we linked up with the Canadian Mental Health Association uh, to develop a mental health score. Uh, we have our wellness score, which is um, a a measure of metrics that are valuable to all people at all times. And we have a bunch of um, specific metric packs that you can adjust based on your goals. Um, the premise of MetriLife is very simple. Uh, we are trying to provide users with actionable feedback to tell them how to change their lives so that they can live healthier, live happier, and live stronger. That's what we do. Um, the app is... Uh, it flies in the face of the conventional fitness app these days because it is not gamified. Um, it does not provide direct 
courses of action for people. It provides, it asks questions and promotes introspection and it allows people to develop their why because we know that behavior change doesn't happen unless there is a why attached to it and Metri Life is our, is, is our iteration on how to, how to show people the way to go and not actually hold their hand. It's, it's to make them want to take that path for themselves. So it kind of just puts the ball back in their court, you know, once they fill some information out and then with the algorith- algorithms, um, it kind of just provides them with their own feedback and then it kind of lets them do with what they want with the information. Is that kind of what, what it does? Yep, exactly. So okay. we have some predictive analytics in the app that will actually recognize certain trajectories. Um, we worked with uh, Dr. James Hoffman from Renaissance Periodization uh, to look at um, certain meaningful trajectories in terms of positive or negative outcomes. And the app will preemptively warn you when you're headed towards one of those trajectories. Uh, so you get that positive reinforcement when you're doing well. And then you get some, so a bit of a wake-up call and a call to action when you're headed towards a more negative outcome. Uh, we're also allowing users to create their own alerts and, uh, and pay attention to their own kind of associations. So we have a feature in there called the review, um, which allows users to plot any metric, uh, any question of any metric together with four other metrics. So if I wanted to look at my sleep, my stress, my cognitive function, and my training intensity, MetriLife would provide me with that line graph and then give me a score for the relationship that exists between them. Okay. So for me, how I use it in my own training is whenever I have a meaningful training session, so yesterday I didn't feel very strong. So I looked back and I was like, okay, what were the antecedents that could have led to me not feeling strong. Lo and behold, my work-related stress was very high and my sleep quality was quite low for three days in advance. So I saved that in MetriLife and now any time that that's gonna happen in the future, I'll be warned beforehand and be able to preemptively adjust my training to say, okay, I know that this is probably gonna be a tough one and I'm supposed to hit, you know, 245 kilos for sets of five, maybe I drop that to 240 or 237.5 and make sure I get the volume in, right? So I can preemptively adjust based on the information that I've gathered in the past. So for someone like Todd who just said he got five hours of sleep but he had a a pretty good training session, um, so those are kind of like on two ends of the spectrum there. How would the app kind of like, could you look into that or, you know what I mean? Yeah, you could absolutely look into that. So here's the thing. Todd might have had a really great training session today, but what about tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so well, and I, I think the important thing and with your app, as we know, is that it's going to look at the cumulative effect of the stressors. Yes. Because while, like I said, I, for whatever reason, I mean, I just woke up at two and I was staring at the wall and then my alarm went off at four 30. Um, and yeah. I'm still staring at the wall, but um, <laughs> and then the funny part is, I had no stress. I was not worried about anything. I just was awake, and um, and I think too often you know, people think, well, it doesn't matter because I had a good training day today, um, mm-hmm. even though I didn't get sleep. Yes, but you know, you made the point. But my, you know, I, I would even add to it. What if that happens again tonight? Which it won't, because I'll be tired. Um, 
But, you know, if you get three nights of that in a row, that's when it's probably going to bite you. And I think having the day that to say, hey, I got three bad nights in a row. I probably need to cut back a little on my training or maybe cut my training altogether. Let's, uh, let's, let's zoom out a little bit here. What are we doing right now? We're being more aware, right? We're being more aware of how our lifestyle is going to potentially impact our outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Just simply by tracking and answering these questions, I'm going to have better outcomes because I'm more aware of the answers that I'm putting in. Absolutely. And okay. and when you look at like, okay, I have, uh, you know, my mental health score for the last few days has been quite low. Well, now that I look at that and I'm like, holy shit, that's three days where I haven't been feeling like myself. Maybe I need to look at something a little bit deeper. That's that's that sense of introspection and that, that we often overlook. And unless we have something staring us in the face that says, hey, you're probably not functioning at your best. Yeah. You might you might not be aware of that. Yeah. And that's a big piece. So so the the app makes you more it makes you as accountable as you make yourself pretty much entering the information, right? Exactly. Okay. And that's been a and that's been a really uh, tough thing to convey to people because a lot of people want their hand held and it's it's kind of told us mm-hmm. that the, this app is not going to be for everybody. Um Although everyone could benefit from more self-awareness, accountability, and introspection, a lot of people aren't ready for that. So our app is definitely for that person who is somewhat aware of these things already, but wants to take that to the next level. And, um, you know, it's tough to say that, like, oh, everyone would benefit from our app. It's like, yeah, they would, but that's not going to be our market because that person isn't necessarily ready to make that switch. Yeah, and, oh, sorry, Todd. I, I, actually, I, I, so we talked all that stuff. Um, you know, you know where, where we work here, so you have, mm-hmm. to, you have to do this for me. What are your, uh, what are your best numbers in powerlifting at what body weight? Uh, so my best numbers, my best lifts in competition are an 805 squat, uh, a 430 bench press, and a 725 deadlift. Um, my best total is 1930 at 220 or 1960 at 236. Um, I think my best Wilkes is 535. Okay, I just want to get you that street cred with our lifters here. You, know, you sounded <laughs> yeah. smart, and I know that you've always had this uh, soft-spoken kind of um, uh, humbleness to you, but I want to make sure people realize that it's not all nerd stuff, you know, it's it, it's legit because this is someone who's put up numbers and moved some weight in their life. Yeah, this works, man, and like, I'm, uh, like I said, I've been injured for, for the better part of four years, uh, you know, I had knee sur- I, I came off my best total, had knee surgery, um, tore my pec before the Arnold, tore my quad the meat after that, tore my IT band last year, um, and you this guys, is all like you should track you should track your stress I think you need to pay closer <laughs> attention to your body <laughs> I think I do too um, but this last you know six to eight months uh, I've had some really productive training sessions and you know I came back and, and I had a bit of a tune-up meet uh, I competed in sleeves I squatted 320 kilos um, which is 705 pounds uh, relatively easily on a second attempt passed on my third uh bench 407 and then uh pulled 705 on my third as well so like i mean to come back and i only trained for that meet for two weeks like i squatted i squatted twice benched twice deadlifted with a deadlift bar from the floor twice um 
before that. So, and I'm healthy and I'm ready to push push again. So, yeah, those might be my best numbers, but I I definitely feel like I'm I'm going to be able to push past them relatively soon and, and to push past them in a much healthier and sustainable manner, which right now for me is most important. Yeah, couldn't have said it any better, pretty much. Um, but uh, yeah, just moving on. I know you didn't want to make um, the app like the basis of you know what we're all talking about here so let's move on to I saw something on your website that was pretty cool and it was the barbell technician seminar and is that is that something people can sign up for and then you kind of come out and speak and break stuff down Um, so the barbell technician seminar was a seminar that myself uh, Jay and uh, Jordan Shallow the muscle doc put on together Um, we got it accredited through the NSCA for CEUs we put on one, uh, and then we all got really busy. Uh, so we haven't, <laughs> we haven't uh, good, pursued good thing I brought that, that up. further. Um, so we are available to do it. Uh, I think, unfortunately, Shallow is booking into like late 2020 because um, he's got a lot of things going on. But uh, Barbell Technician, you, you know, we could put it on, Jay and I. Essentially, it's... Um, it's a more nerdy approach to the big three. Uh, so we go over uh, technical execution, meet standards, things of that nature, and then troubleshooting uh, technical issues from uh, a much deeper level than simply uh, what you would get at a normal seminar. Uh, we're approaching it with, you know, I've been competing for 10 years now. Jay's, Jay's been a competitive powerlifter for I think 12 or 13 so you know we're over 20 years of competitive experience we both ranked in the top 10 all time um congratulations and, uh, oh thank you <laughs> i think that top i think so when i set my my best squad it was number eight all time nice. it is now a number 46 oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, power, powerlifting these days is absolutely bananas uh, well, it, the top lifters are absurd right now and i mean when you look at the lifters we have here at union fitness it, i mean 10 years ago we would have been one of the best you know i mean we have oh without question and, and now we're still really good and we have some very good lifters here but i don't think people because there's so much strength out there i don't think people appreciate what strength is anymore i don't i, I think it's like you know, Nate Lester pulls eight ten in the gym, and everyone's like, hey, "It's Nate." I'm like, it's not like I'm like, it's eight hundred and ten pounds deadlift. He pulled eight ten in the gym here. That's nasty. Yeah, I mean, and Nate, you know Nate, and Nate's a freak. Yeah. And um, but like you know, we have a few lifters that you know that are at or around that level, and I don't think um, I don't think people appreciate what how awesome that really is all the time no the the perspective gets shifted right so if you're always surrounded by that it becomes the norm it was the same way when i was training at dynamo i mean when i first started there uh you know Cade was totaling over 2000 in sleeves jay was over 1900 in sleeves both ranked in the top three all time uh willie was a former number one ranked overall you had shane church who was a multiply guy top top lifter in the world in 2014 I believe mm-hmm. um, just within that gym we have 15 500 Wilkses yeah you yeah, know there's yeah. nine guys who's, who deadlift over 700 hey, that, that, I mean, that's a strong crew well hey yeah. um, 
kind of wrap it up. Uh, any any tips uh, for for our, for our listeners out there about self care? I mean, I mean, obviously we talked about a lot of different things, but yeah, self care, mental health, anything like that. Yeah, so I mean, self self care gets a really bad rap these days uh, because it's I, I feel it's been conflated with um, you know exercises in mediocrity. So you'll see these pictures of people eating a donut or hanging out like hanging outside and just saying, oh self care day. And it, Todd's, it's all, Todd's it's all, throwing his hands up. Right I just now, ate so. a donut. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, but so. For me, self-care is, you know, are you are you actually taking care of yourself on a daily basis? Do you make time to check in with yourself and make sure that things are going well? Are you taking time to, you know, fill your glass, so to speak? We all get caught in this rat race and uh, we don't make time to check in with ourselves. And participating in these these behaviors that aren't good for our health or, or things of that nature, that's not self-care. You know, self-care is making sure you get to the gym, exercise. It's making sure that you do some journaling or some check-in with yourself, some meditation, some type of reflection. It's making sure that you eat a healthy diet and fuel your body with what it needs, get seven to nine hours of sleep, those types of things. That is true self-care. If you do that on a daily basis, you're going to live a life that you don't need to escape from because that's all that these, these you know, quote-unquote hashtag self-care things are. It's, I, I live a life I need to escape from. That's not the type of life I personally want to live. I want to live a life that I enjoy and that I, I flourish in um, and that truly I've built for myself. And uh, so that's kind of how I look at self-care. If you're, if you're interested in kind of taking a more objective view of it and monitoring your mental health and monitoring your lifestyle, I think MetroLife is a tremendous cue, uh, tool for people to use uh, to build that self-awareness, promote some introspection and um the new update that we launched a couple weeks ago has some other tools in it uh, to further enhance uh, your mindset and shift it towards one more of positivity uh, with some journaling and uh, some other reflection tools. So whatever you do, just take care of yourself and make sure you're living a life that you want to live. And if you're not, the only thing you can do is take some action. Yeah. And before we end the podcast, um, if you're listening right now, I want to do some marketing for Paul just so you guys know I'm, listen I'm gonna I'm gonna market you a little bit man so if you guys appreciate it if you guys wanna look more into uh, what Paul's about and what he does at Master Athletic Performance it is masterathletic.com no caps no spaces um, and with the MetroLife app if you want to I believe the website is the number one hyphen life inc inc dot com and then the MetroLife app is spelled M-E-T r-i-l-i-f-e and it's the app and it can be found on the apple store right mm-hmm. and apple play and or apple and google play um and if you do if you do go to www.metrylife.com it'll show up as well okay um it's uh yeah so we're really excited the feedback overall has been quite positive and, and we're, we're hopeful that it can grow yeah just doing some reading on your website before we did the podcast here and gave you a call everything looks amazing and there are a lot of good screenshots of the actual app and the statistics that it does track and everything i honestly had no idea what (laughs) they they were but they looked really clean really smooth and it looks like the app itself can function very well so yeah it's it's been good so if you guys are interested um head over look at those websites 
think about downloading the app take care of yourself and uh paul we thank you so much man for being on the podcast today guys it's been my pleasure any anything for todd hey i appreciate you brother (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys all right paul yep have a good one you too thanks